You know, the world is changing all around you. And uh, my wife and I are going through a lot of change and a lot of things that are happening. Rachel goes to school tomorrow. So if I, uh, if I break down into tears, just, just, just bear with me a little bit as we go. I don't have any Kleenex up here, so it could be a little ugly. But uh, so I'm leaving today. I'm going to Tulsa. I don't want to be a part of that thing when she has to move. So uh, I'll be back in a couple days. She's going to take her down there. And, uh, you know, in your life, you're going through a transition. There, 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 aren't, uh, there aren't any of us who aren't seeing change happen in our life. And about a six weeks, eight weeks ago, I was just, or as the summer began, and we'd gotten back from vacation, and I was listening to a, to a couple podcasts like I do, you know, on, on early in the week I go to church, put those things on and just get quiet and let, let people speak to me and share with me. And, and somebody that I listened to was sharing and just talking about transition and how, how the body of Christ doesn't always handle transition very well. The world doesn't handle transition very well. And how, how, how in our lives, it was something that we have to be good at. It's something that we, we have to be able to do. Because if you don't transition, then you're never going to change. And really, truly, if you think about it in your life, that means you pretty much should just sit at your house in a closet and just cross your legs and just fold your arms. Because everything that you've done to get to this point where you are today, you've had to change to get here. And you say, well, I've got a lot of stuff going on. Well, there's a lot of change ahead of you. And the, and the body of Christ and the disciples and many of us, we don't necessarily resist change. I think sometimes we preach and teach that, that we're resistant to change. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case as much as it is we don't know how to change. We don't know how to transition. We don't know really how to go from here to there. Have you ever met somebody who's just kind of stuck in that same place? You know, you talk to them, and then they've got all these ideas, they've got all these thoughts, they've got this direction, and then you talk to them again a year later, and they're in the same place. And then they share with you the same thing, and then about two years later, you talk to them again, and they're, they're in the same place and the same thing. And, and it seems like maybe the world is passing them by. It seems like their opportunities are passing them by. It's not necessarily that they, they didn't want to change. They might not have known really how to change. Because when you face change in your life, there are certain things that you're going to have to come across. We're going to talk about some keys and some things to deal with wisely in winning life's transitions. Because we're all going through it. Think about it. You have children right now that are getting ready to go back to school. That's a transition. That's a change. The parents usually say, hallelujah. And the kids, you know, probably say, oh. Now, there's some. Luke, you can't wait to get to school, I'm sure. You love school. Luke is the first one up at his house. He makes sure everybody's ready to go. And he makes sure we're going to school today. So Luke is excited. Weston, I don't know if you're that excited. No, not so much. So this is a great transition for Luke and a mediocre transition for Weston. It's one of those things that has to happen. You know, that, that's true. You have to go somewhere sometimes. And sometimes you're forced to, to, to go from one thing to the next to change or transition. So uh, we're going to pray for those uh, who are going. Let's just pray for those kids now because that's a, big, that's a big transition. That's a big change. There are kids who are going to middle school like Carter for the first time. He was fifth grader last year, king of the world. And we are now he's going to middle school at East Tip. That's a huge transition. And nobody's immune from change. Nobody's immune from transition. And I believe that you can make a great transition into sixth grade just as easily as you can make a great transition into marriage or a new job as an adult. There are kids who are going to high school for the first time. There are kids who are going to school for the first time. Kindergartners, that's quite a transition. They've been used to being home and not having to go to school. And it's the same transition here as it is in Sudan, remember? I mean, those little kids were kindergartners. They were crying and running out of the room. No faster than they could put them back in the room and get the next one. They were running back out of the room. And I thought, this is just like home. Mom's crying on the sidewalk. Kids crying in the classroom, running around. It's, it, was, it was just like that. 
But let's pray for all the kids uh, all over our county and surrounding counties. Some have already gone back. But, Father, we thank you for, for a change. We thank you for a new season and a new time. I thank you, Father, for a year that's like none other, none other in the lives of all the children in this ministry, the adults who are going back to college in different areas. I thank you, Father, that this will be a fantastic year, a year of your goodness and grace being poured out for them, your mercy and your favor, Father, going before them everywhere that they go. We thank you for divine relationships, divine appointments. Father, the right teachers for the right kids. We thank you for parents that have wisdom as they lead, instruct, and guide their young people, Father, in all the endeavors as they go to school. We thank you, Father, that they are the right friends, the right influences. We thank you, Father, that you turn away the wrong influences. We thank you that the kids who are part of this ministry, Father, they have a glorious year, a wonderful year, a fantastic year, full of your love, Father, and relationships that are of you, not not of this world. We thank you, Father, that people will follow after you, Father, as teachers and administrators, Father, in those buildings. We thank you, Father, that your light and your love will shine in the lives all throughout this county and all of these schools, Father, both parochial and the private ones, Father, and the, in the public schools. We thank you, Father, that this, there will be a revolution, Father. There will be an absolute revival in the schools, Father, in this county because of the lives of the children who are here and who are spreading the gospel, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing, you know, I mean, you've got you to gotta, you gotta transition well. And if you don't transition well, you're going to be in trouble. And, and I don't talk to too many people. I don't have very many people call me and, and talk to me or see me and come in and meet with me who aren't going through a transition. They don't normally call and tell you that everything is fantastic and their life is awesome. And, they, you know, they, they, just, they just wanted to come in and just sit down and just see how things were going. Many times you get calls, and they're not bad calls. They're people who are concerned, people who are not sure what to do, people who want wisdom, who want guidance, who want agreement in prayer as they begin to step out into those new things. Transitions are just life changes. It's on your, it's on your sheet. Transition means a movement, passage, or change from one position or state to another. People deal with transition and change differently, but if you're going to be successful, you have to deal with transitions successfully. You have to be able to go to that new place, that next step, well, the only way you can do that, really, truly, is to follow what God has for you. And it's a daily, moment-by-moment moment process. You know that things are changing. The one thing that I talk to people and share with people is you have to, you must be. If you're going to follow God, believe it or not, you've got to be flexible. You can't be stuck in your pattern. You can't be stuck in your ways. He's going to ask you to do something that you might not have thought of. He may ask you to do something that's different from the time before. As you go from one job to the next or one relationship to another or another situation to this, he, he's going to ask you maybe to turn a direction you didn't want to turn or think to turn. But if you're not flexible, you'll break. If you're not flexible, you won't bend. You'll break. You'll shatter. And when I was teaching, that was one of the questions that, that, that my principal, when he hired me the very first time, that was what he asked me. Are you flexible? And I said, heck yeah, I can do whatever you want me to do whenever you want me to do it. You're the boss. You're about to hire me. I, I'll do whatever you say right now. Now, I can't touch my toes because I'm not flexible that way, but I am flexible in everything else that I, that I do. <laughs> I can't touch my toes. It's sad. But, but, we <laughs> but we have to be flexible. You have to be able really not just to be where God puts you, you have to be able to flourish where God puts you. That means you have to love this place, this thing, or whatever he's taking you to. You know, a lot of, you know, kids go from elementary school, like I said earlier, to middle school. They go from middle school to high school. In your life, you're transitioning all the time. Maybe you've gone from job to unemployment. That's a tough transition. That's a tough transition. That's a tough place to be, but you can do that successfully. 
Maybe you're going from unemployment now to a job, and maybe it's not the same job you had before. You can do that successfully. Maybe you're going from one house to the next house, and you're moving across town. Maybe you're moving from one apartment to the next apartment, and you're dealing with those situations. How many of you know? That's one of, the stressful, that's one of the most stressful things to go through. Elizabeth and I get along very, very well unless we move. If we move, it does not go well with us. We're learning. Now, we haven't moved in 10 years. Maybe that's why. <laughs> but we've moved a lot in our marriage, and uh, so we're, 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 we're really not good at it. That's one transition. We just, we, we stray. And you know, I mean, I'm not the only person who throws things off the balcony when it's time to move, because I'm not carrying them down the stairs and throwing stuff in the dumpster. And one, one we threw everybody's, we threw all our stuff away one time. We got, I'll throw this away. I'll show you. And we were heaving stuff in the dumpster back and forth. We didn't need as big a truck to move when that was over. We had less stuff. One way, she wanted to move downstairs one time. Downstairs. Like we're on the top, she just wanted to move right below where we were. That meant to me, I got to hook up cable again. I got to hook up phone again. Back in the day, I had to pay all that money. I didn't want to real excited about it. So by the end of that move, I was just heaving stuff off the balcony. It's going downstairs. That's where I live. So I just brought it in from that point as we went that way. I don't transition well in that area. Sometimes you go from single to married. How many of you know that's a tough transition? You know this person is who you love. You know this person is who God gave you to. And you're going from a place where you were all by yourself and could basically do whatever you wanted to do whenever you wanted to do it to a world in which you cannot. It doesn't work that way anymore. You better do what she wants you to do whenever she says to do it if you want things to go well with you. That's a huge transition. People get married and they have a great time and after about two months they start to look at each other. Say, who are you? I don't know. I liked you at one time. I'm not sure I like you anymore. The toilet paper is supposed to go the other way, but it goes this way. It shouldn't go from behind. It should go over the top, by the way. That's the way it should be. Amen, right? Yeah, I'm with you. That was the point of frustration and transition in our lives. So you know what I did? That's my job. I have like three jobs at our house. I changed the light bulbs. And I'm telling you, just like unscrew the light bulb. Rachel comes and says, Daddy, my light bulb's out. It's right next to her bed. Just unscrew it, put another one in. Nope, that's your job. So I do light bulbs, and I change toilet paper. Because if I don't, it comes out the wrong way. It's going back behind. It's got to go over the top. Freaks me out, even if I don't use the bathroom. I've been known to change it in places. So if you come home and your toilet paper's turned the other way, I was probably there and thought, that isn't right. It needs to go the other way. Maybe I should be more flexible, but... I mean, those are transitions. In marriage, see that? I mean, that's a big transition. And then, and in, and in other times and other opportunities, you go, you go from from married and just loving each other and just having a great time, just the two of us, to having kids. Right? That's a huge transition because you got over the fact that it wasn't about you, but it was about us, and, and you kind of like that, and you enjoy that, and you can do all those things that us do. And then all of a sudden, you have a third one, and now it's all of us. That doesn't always work so well. Because now you can't go off and do whatever you want to do because you've got to take care of this other one. And that's a transition that people make. And you go from one kid to two kids, and it's great. Two kids to three kids, and now you've gone from man-to-man to full-court press. And now you've got to make sure everybody's playing. You're playing zone because you can't go one-on-one anymore. You can't go, I got one, you got one, we're good to go. You get three, four, five, like Dan. I, I mean, I don't even know what that guy's doing. He's got a basketball team. But, I mean, that's a lot of people moving. That's a huge transition. 
And when in, those, in those times of transition, great stress can build up. But I'm telling you this, if God has taken you into that new place, if he's brought you there, there is something on the inside of you. There is a seed that he has planted. There is a word that you've heard. There is something that he's told you that will take you through that time into that harvest. The seed goes from seed to harvest, and we talked about harvest last week, but the seed goes from in the ground to harvest. There's a transitional period there. And everything that that seed needs to be a stalk of corn, everything that that seed needs to be a row of beans or whatever it is, is inside that seed. So everything that you need to be what God called you to be, to be the next thing, to transition to marriage, to transition to children, to transition from this job to no job, what you need is on the inside of you. God hasn't called you to a place where he hasn't equipped you and he hasn't prepared you. He begins to speak to you and he begins to show you. We may not like it. We may not like the transition. We may not, in our flesh, not enjoy where we're going. But I'll tell you what, there's something on the inside of you to get you through the journey. There are a lot of people who go through a lot of situations and a lot of things. Teenagers move from adult, they go from teenage to adulthood. All of a sudden, they've got these brains and they've got these bodies and they're doing all this stuff, but they have no experience to make correct choices. But they think they can. They got adult bodies and their brains are who knows where. And so they, that's why they end up making crazy decisions and crazy choices. If they're grounded in the word, if they're following the path, if they're all of those things, they're great because the spirit of God is leading them. But no different than us. See, no different than us. They, they have issues and they have things. They got stuff going on all around them. So continue to stand for your young person. Continue to pray for your young person. Continue to instruct and lead and guide. Continue to pour into them because they're going through transitions daily. They're different. When the kids come to school in, in, in August to the time when kids leave at, at the end of May, they're completely different people. And then many times when they come back in the summer, they're a different group. All day. I mean, I saw kids go through freshmen, sophomore, junior, senior years and thought, wow. And I'm telling you, the successful ones handled transition well. It was a new class. It was a different level. It was a new friend. It was a new thing. But they handled those transitions well. And if you can handle transitions well, you'll be great. Think about it. You, your body and yourself is at the age you are today is not who you were 10 years ago. You're, you've gone through a transition. And how many of you know, as you're getting a little bit older, your brain tells you to do things that your body just can't, you know, he's writing checks, your body can't cash. I mean, I, I tried to go play golf, and Elizabeth was taking some pictures one day. I said, you know, take some, take some, take some pictures. I, I've got this beautiful Tiger Woods swing. You know, so I was like, I was, you know, I think I do. I can't see myself. So in my head, I mean, the ball goes right. So I'm thinking, I got to look really good. And she took this picture. I said, who is that fat guy? And where did he get that swing? It's hideous. And she said, look real close. He's wearing your shorts. I said, oh, man. Ah, that's not, that's not right. I have transitioned. <laughs> I, have, I have transitioned into something that isn't, isn't right. But we all go. We all go through transitions. You know the guy, the midlife crisis, wears his shirt down to here, gold chains, hair sticking out all over the place, and he's driving his car, and he's, you know, he's not transitioning well. He's not, he's not making it to the correct place at the correct time. Something's not going right. And we all look at him and go, wow, that's not right. And he comes into work, and you think, what? That guy just walked out of the 70s. But in the 70s, that was cool. He just doesn't know it's changed. 
because he hasn't transitioned very well. He's, he's still living what he thinks is all right. But if you look in Matthew, you know, here, and, and sorry, in Mark in chapter 4, I, I just share this, this little part of the, of the scripture with you and then give you like three steps to winning life's transitions. But, you know, the, the closer you get to harvest, the more the seed begins to change because the seed starts out in the dirt with nothing. Then all of a sudden now it's grown and the corn's eight feet tall. There's a big change that goes, that goes on in, the, in that process. There are a lot of stuff that happens underground that you don't see. You plant the seed, and then for a little while, you don't see anything. But there is stuff going on. There is stuff still happening. And I think many times in our lives, we look at a season, and we think, well, if I have to wait from, from planting time to harvest time to get my harvest, that's a, that's a long time. That's not very long. And there's a lot of work that's going on under the ground that we can't see. In your life, you may be saying, I've been going through this transition a long time. It's because it's a big transition. God's got to do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. He's working some things out in your life. He's fixing you. He's setting up situations where you're headed so that when you get there, it's all going to be ready and be right. But here's the deal. As you, as you go through this thing, once the seed is sown, then it's up to us to determine the harvest because a seed will bring forth harvest. But it's up to us. And the story that he gives me, and I've been through this story many times, it's the parable of the sower. And Jesus explained this parable in Mark chapter 4 and verse 15. And it says, these are the ones that are sown by the wayside who hear the word, Satan comes immediately and takes it away. These likewise, in verse 16, are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no good root in themselves. And so they they endure only for a time, and afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. They didn't say that it's a different word. They didn't say it's a different seed. They said that the word was sown. So the word is sown into these different people. The word's been sown into you. It's been sown into you. It's been sown into you. It's been sown into you. The word is sown into each one of us. And then what happens to that seed as it goes toward harvest obviously could be different for different people. See, it says it started to grow, but then it withered up and died. It said it started to grow, but then the birds came, stole it, ate it, did whatever that was. I mean, all of, all of a sudden now you're seeing different outcomes with the same seed. So that tells me that if I go through this story and I get down to the end of verse 18, it says, now these are the ones that were sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the world and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones, verse 20, that are sown on good ground who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And so we like to say, well, we're good ground, but then where are all these other people? I mean, if we're the, see, when, it's, when it goes in good ground, that means it's cultivated. There's action that goes with this. If you read this, it says they hear the word, they accept the word, and they bear fruit. They're transitioning well. If you go back to the other ones, not any time in there did it say they even received it except for the one who said they received it for a moment and only endured for a second. Which tells me that I'm going to have to receive it. I'm going to have to endure for a little more than a short period of time. If I'm going to bear fruit, then I must, I must continue in. And see, transition comes and the seed is planted. Then what happens to the word when it goes in? We're no different than the disciples. We're no different than all of them. If you go back and then you begin to read, you can look at the wind and the wave as they obey Jesus. We'll get to that in a second. But they, they were the disciples. They were with Jesus. The word had been planted and the seed had been put in their lives. And now when he gets to that point, he says to them, we might as well do it now. He says to them, in the very end, he arose, and it says he rebuked the wind. You know the story. They were in the boat. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He's talked to them all about the parable of the sower. He's talked about hiding their light under a basket and all of these different things. He's talked to them about how the seed grows. He talked about how faith is like a mustard seed. Mustard seed is the smallest seed, but it grows up, and it's the biggest of all the herbs. And it actually isn't something that you pick out of your garden like this. It could end up being a little tree that birds sit in. It's a, it's a huge and powerful tree. 
compared to all the other herbs. So he's told them all of these things. He's spoken to them and he's shared with them and he's poured out his life so far into this point with them. And then when the storm gets rough and it gets boisterous, see what he's asking them to do is transition well from seed to faith. The seed has been planted for faith in your life, but is it going to transition out of your actions and out of your desires and out of your attitude? They had an opportunity through a trial transition in the storm. And when they finally went down and they were nervous and they were afraid, like many of us through transitions and through storms, God's put a seed on the inside of your heart. So what does that mean now where you are today? Continue to stand on that. Don't look for a new seed. Don't look for a new word unless God's got one for you. Many times we won't go through this test and we won't transition well because we're always looking around and ignoring the seed that's been planted. And then we can go back to the other story and we can see that then we're like the stony ground or we're like the shallow ground. See, maybe in this transition, you've gotten off base and he wanted you to do something and you've gone a different direction because of the cares of this world, all the things that you want, the things that you desire, the things that you think or we think we need in that moment. Well, now we've been the ones who are sown in thorns. The one who's sown on good ground, when they come to this trial, they come to this temptation, they begin to speak to the storm. They begin to write it out. They know that Jesus said, we're going to the other side. So period, that's it. No matter what we have to face. And through that transition, they make it to the other side. That's why Jesus wakes up in the boat. They get him and they say, hey, come on, come on, master, come on, master. And he says, peace be still. And he tells them to be quiet. And then he turns around to them. And he says, why are you so fearful? In the moment of your transition, in the place of your transition, don't be fearful. I like that song. It says, I don't have to have fear. He's with me. We just sang it. We just raised our hands and say, you're with me. I don't have to be afraid. Jesus is with them in the boat. They don't have to be afraid. They have what it takes to get to the other side. But in the middle, they freaked out and they ran to get him. And I'm not telling you, don't freak out, don't run to get him. But I am telling you to trust the seed and the thing that's been planted on the inside of you as you transition, be led by the Spirit, and then you do what he tells you to do. Because he says then, how is it that you have no faith? How is it that this seed that was planted now isn't there anymore? How come you didn't go through this transition well and come from a place of the seed being planted into faith, to walking in it, to living in it, to being part of it? You can go back, and I think sometimes we don't realize that there's actually seeds there. Because they probably didn't realize that the word had been planted. They probably didn't realize that the gifts and the talents were in them to do what God was asking them, what Jesus was asking them to do. Many of us, I think, sometimes we see a new opportunity and God's taking us to a place and we think, I can't do that. I can't be that. But we don't have, we don't have all the information that we need to know what's on the inside of us. There are things that are on the inside of you that are put there for a specific point and a moment in time that when you get there by faith, God will bring those things out. And how many of you have said things you didn't know were even in there? You've done things that you didn't think you could possibly ever do. You had a gift or a talent in an area where you thought it was absolutely impossible that that could not be what you were. Rachel did not know she was an artist. She had no idea. Somebody had actually told her, and I've shared this story before, some teacher had actually told her that art might not be her thing. Looked at her stuff and said, you know, honey, I'm just not real sure that, that, that art is your thing. You know, you might want to concentrate or focus on other things. You're a wonderful girl. You're a beautiful girl. You're very talented. Didn't tell her she was nothing. But just said, I'm not real sure, looking at this picture, that art is it. Well, now that she's got AP art credit and she's, got a, she's going to minor in art and do all these things and she's going to all these art awards and all these things, she kind of gave the old said, where's that teacher now? <laughs> so we've got to be humble. <laughs> Pray for those who mess with you. But, but, but what happened was she got put in a place where she could transition well. Somebody told her she couldn't do it. And for a little while, she thought that was true. And then somebody else told her the truth. 
And then a hidden gift and a hidden talent that was on the inside of her, placed by God, that nobody knew was there. I looked at her stuff, and I agreed with the teacher. <laughs> but, but I thought, you've got to be able to draw. I mean, you've got to be able to do something. You're, you're a smart kid. You're talented. She got into art, and that thing just flourished out of nowhere. But look at this. It says, if you go back now to verse 21 in Mark chapter 4. It says, is a lamp brought, or brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that it should not come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we use this usually in negative connotations when people are going through things and we think there's something that's hidden here behind the scenes that we don't know about. We pray that it comes to the light so that we can deal with it. But how about this? What if it's a gift and a talent that's on the inside of you that is hidden there for a specific time and a specific purpose? What if that thing came to the light in the right moment? See, what if it wasn't always meant to be negative, but what if it was meant to be positive? What if there are gifts and talents on the inside of you that in the moment of transition that you're refusing to go to is when those things are going to come out? She could have gone to Harris and said, I don't want to do art. The teacher said I wasn't any good. I wasn't good in middle school. I'm not going to do art anymore. I'm just going to go sing or do whatever that is. Then that, that gift, that talent, that thing that had been put on the inside that was hidden on the inside of her that nobody knew about might not have ever flourished. Had she not transitioned into that new thing and allowed that to come out, the place where she was drew that out. And within weeks, her teacher was saying, she's amazing. What has she done in the past? Nothing. That is a shame. And they began to pull and draw on the inside. Sometimes you are in situations and circumstances so God can pull and draw something hidden out of you. A talent, a word, a thing. Something that's in there that you don't know about. And you think, I'm going from unemployment to employment, but I don't know about this job because I've never done this before. If God gave you the job, then he's put something on the inside of you that's going to get you into that place so you can flourish. But you have to transition well. You have to move into that place well. Three things and three steps real quick that you can do to win life's transitions. New things, new stuff. New context. Right? It's a new context. It's a new place. So when you move into a new context, there's going to have to be some, some new commitment. There's going to have to be some new action. You're not, you're not going to be able to go into this new context and this new place the same way you were. The first thing in your list there says remain moldable. Here's the deal. We want to be a pitcher. God wants us to be a vase. In the Bible, it doesn't say that I'm the potter. The Bible says that he is the potter in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. In the message, it says, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. All of us are what you made of us. Now, we think of this, and it's a little bit different maybe in some aspects of our life, but we think of it like that he made a vase, and then that vase gets taken off, and it's done, gets fired, gets painted real pretty, and then it's a vase forever. And in some cases, and in some lives, I've seen that to be the case. But in other lives, and in many of them, I've seen that God changes that shape as you continue to go. He needs you to be a vase for this moment, but then you know what? In a little bit longer, maybe he takes you, and then he makes you a pitcher. And then you get to be a pitcher for a while. Then after a little while, he makes you into a cup, or he makes you into a bowl, or he makes you into a saucer. Why? Because that's what he has need of. That's what he needs you to be. And you think, well, I can't possibly be a pitcher. Why not? He's the one who's molding you. You are clay. It says here that I am clay and he is the potter and the potter can make whatever he has in his heart to make. Have you seen the great sculptures and those things? And the story is I never would, I never, that was just a block of wood. How did you make David out of the block of, of stone or whatever it was as they, as they chipped it? And he said, that's all I saw that block of stone to be. I just unleashed it. Because Rachel paints stuff and does stuff and I think, well, how did, where did that come from? 
And she said, that's what I saw. My uncle is a photographer, and he's also an artist. And he, and he said the hardest thing about taking pictures is you take a picture of something, and then you go home, and you look at the picture, and it's not quite what it was. He said the reason is that there, there's you involved. How you see that thing is perceptual. And then what he does then is he takes the picture, and he gets it on the computer, and then he begins to pour in all the things that are in here that he saw. Not just the raw picture, but then he takes in all the emotion and all the stuff and all the things that were really present in that day, in that moment, in the time. Maybe the sun was just right, but it didn't show up in the picture. He sees that in his head. He knows what it is, so he begins to add to and fix in peace. Sometimes you're just a picture, but God's still working on you. Let him finish the product, and you do that through transition. But you have to be molded. You have to be molded. I have to be molded. We can't sit around. The potter does a great job. The potter gives you form. He shapes you. The potter works out imperfections. If there's imperfections in your life and you go into the kiln as clay, you will explode and you will tear up everything that's in the kiln. As you work with pottery, you have to make sure that all the bubbles and all the imperfections and all the things are out because when intense pressure and intense heat comes, it won't last. It'll explode. So there are things that you're going through in this transition that God's trying to work out of your life because you're going to face such stress and pressure. There's going to be such heat in the area where he's taking you. And most of us don't mind that because we want to be what he called us. I mean, we want to be that. We want to go to that transition. Marriage is tough. That's why we ask people, come in, sit down with us a few times. Come on, let's talk about it for five, six weeks. Let's just sit down and share about marriage. Let us get to know you and talk through some things because marriage, and you know, once you get married, it doesn't all end there. If you squabble a little bit before marriage, just wait. You see things and deal with things in marriage that you didn't have to deal with when you were single. And so now in all of this situation, let's take some time and let's begin to work out a few, let God work out a few imperfections in your life. Let's see some things first before we get there. Pastor Bill used to say, if I can talk you out of marriage before you get married, I've done you a favor. See, not trying to talk you, but if you know that God said, and she knows that God said, then that, you're not going to be able to talk somebody out of that. Now, you don't spend five weeks trying to talk them out of it. But, you know, you give, them, you give them a shot here in the beginning to see if really this is what it is. Why? Because that's an imperfection. If you don't know that God said it, she doesn't know that God said it, then that's, that's something that needs to be fixed first. Because when you get into the heat of the fire, you're going to explode. And the last thing that the potter does is he adds strength to your life. He gives you form, he works out imperfections, and he gives you strength. Leaves you stronger than when you went in. The second thing you can do to, transform, to transfer well or to transition well as you go from one thing to the next, you have to act on and live in his grace because where you're going, you don't have any clue. Where you're going, you're not sure how to do it. It's a transition. You're not necessarily or not many times transitioning into the next thing ready to go. There's a growth period in that transition. There's a time where you're trying to learn. There's a time where you're trying to follow. There's a time where you know, I can't do that. God, you better show up. He will, his grace. See, and if you rely on his grace, that's why 2 Corinthians 12, 9 makes so much sense. Your weakness is perfected. His, your weakness is perfected. His strength. His strength perfects your weakness. You say, I can't do it. I know, but by his grace, you can. See, you're two and I gotta be 100 and he's 98. See, I think many times we, we, we don't look at it that way. We don't look at what he can bring to the table. We see what we can do. And many times his grace works through you and performs the deed. But many times his grace just activates something in your life that you didn't know were there. 
things that are just hidden behind the scenes that will come to the light. And all of a sudden, when he comes on the scene and you allow him to work through you, that's what his grace does. His grace comes and anoints you to do what he called you to do when you don't have the ability or or the aptitude to do it. But he's the potter. He knows what you're supposed to be. He's making you that and working on your life. And you rely on his grace because that's what you operate in. Grace is the medium that faith operates in. I've been saved by grace through faith. Grace is a medium. It's how faith operates. It's the oil that makes the faith machine move. Because faith is all about him and not about us. And grace is all about him and not about us. It's important. He says in Hebrews 4.16, come boldly to the throne room of grace so you may receive or find help in time of need. How many of you know in transition you need help? I've had people come to me and say, I just married this lady and I don't know who she is. I think she's a transformer. Because she was really one thing and all of a sudden she's something totally different. And I said, it's probably you. You're probably not transitioning well. Are you transitioning well? Are you allowing his grace to make the difference? I can't be what she called me to be. I can't be what, or sorry, she wants me to be. Yes, you can. God put you with her. But you're going to have to allow him to shape you, not you be who you think. So you have to allow God to work through you and not do what you think, not say what you think. Marriage is all about letting go. Marriage is all about saying, I love you more than I love myself. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Marriage is a continual transition that you live in. And the third thing as we go through and we end this is you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know that there's a way to transition well without being led by the Spirit of God. And really, truly, I think that if I struggle with him being the potter and me being the clay, if I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I'll get past that. And if I struggle with allowing his grace to work through me and flow through me, if I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I won't struggle with that. I have to realize that it's not me, but it's, it's him working through me. And the way that he leads me and guides me is by his Holy Spirit. And so if you're in transition, whether you're going from elementary school to middle school, whether you're going from middle school to high school, whether you're 40 and you're almost 50 now, isn't it true? You t- I turned around and I'm 43. I, I, I was 28 just a couple days ago. What, 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 ha- what happened? Rachel was just a little girl. She was just a little girl going to sixth grade. And now she's just a little sixth grader going to college. <laughs> so my dad always sees them, right? I mean, she's just this little thing. She's just got to have to have me, have me with her, of course, to take care of her. I think she's transitioning fine. I think dad's struggling a little bit with transition, but she's doing well. But here's the deal. When you're in transition, it's a moment-by-moment process. And what is the moment-by-moment need for us? It's wisdom. It's, it's, it's guidance. It's, it's knowing the truth. It's direction. It's all of those things. How does God provide that? By his word. Yes, yes. He provides it by his word. But how many of you know? I, I don't always remember what that word said. I don't, I don't always remember what he told me. I'm trying to, oh, man, I need you like today. Have you ever been out in your car? Have you ever been in a place, you're in a meeting, you're, 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 in, you're in this moment, you're in this situation, you're thinking, oh God, I, this is huge, I, I don't know what to do, I, I, I need you to show me. And then you get real quiet, and he shows you. God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have the strength. I've been back there with some of those brides and some of those grooms. 
They're starting to play the organ. And all of a sudden, their knees start getting a little, <laughs> a little like this. And I say, hey, hey, come on, buddy. <laughs> Stay with me. Stay with me. Focus on my eyes. And you know, I pray for him. It's all right. Come on, give me your hands. Give me your hands. Come on. Come on. You love this woman. God gave her to you. I know, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. Come on, he's going to tell you. Come on, stay with me. And out we walk. And then the marriage ceremony is beautiful. But a lot of it there toward the middle is about making sure that people don't collapse on the ground. And as the minister, that's your, that's your job to make sure they're, stay with me. Okay, focus. Come on, come on, we can do this. You can do this. The Holy Spirit will lead you and he'll guide you and he'll show you and he'll teach you. It says in John chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the who? The helper. When you're in transition, what do you need? Help. So who did Jesus send? The helper. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name and he sent him. He will teach you all things. And get this, he will bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So in those moments in transition where you knew there was a seed planted, but you haven't got to the harvest yet, there's something on the inside of you that may be hidden. He knows that. And if he's taking you that direction, if he's taking you to that place, allow the Holy Spirit to work through that. And it says in John 16, 13, and these aren't scriptures you do not know. And it says in verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come and he has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but what he hears, he will speak and he will tell you what things to come, things to come. You can transition. Well, you are successful. This is a successful church and you are successful people that make up this church. You are transitioning well, whether it be an age issue, a job issue, a marriage issue, a relationship issue, a child issue, you are transitioning well. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.